Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. season i love diving into second year players and dissecting what they show during their rookie seasons because really when they enter the league you have like this idea of what their strengths and weaknesses might be and maybe where they can help an nfl team but once they play as a rookie and like immediately once they step on an nfl field the picture is clear you instantly see it so i'm excited to like dive into all these names hayden maybe ones that people might be overlooking or even overselling it's what today's show is and again second year breakout wide receivers one of my favorite topics of the all season yeah we have to get them right these are the guys that can vault around or two uh, a tier or two up so i have a lot of stats i wrote up my favorite ones i ranked them actually all in order but today we'll go through the tape and it's this balance between the rookie year stats their college stats and then also just the tape that we watched Throughout these players, you'll have uh, the ability to watch it yourself here. Okay. Question. How much, and I know this is a sliding scale, but how much should we hang on to what we believe these prospects were as going through the draft process versus what they already showed during their rookie years? You know what I mean? I, I think I am going to stick with their college profile a little bit more than it seems like that you're suggesting. I but... think we do the opposite. Well, to me, I, I think the rookie year is like massively important here. And I like to watch the players just see like if some of my concerns or or where I thought these players were going to win does translate. But I do think what you said, the coaching staff, they're putting them in the, the spot that they think they're going to succeed in. So I'm definitely paying attention to that. If they weren't subbed in in certain formations, if they're only lining up in certain spots on the field, if they're only getting certain types of targets down the field, I am going to be looking at that and, and expecting that to be kind of sticky uh, in, into year two. Okay. A few notes. One, as Hayden has alluded, we are going to use a bunch of advanced metrics. We're going to show the tape of some of your favorite prospects and players now entering their second season. Uh, and just up front, we are not going to talk about Garrett Wilson, who is going 14 overall right now in Underdog Fantasy, and Chris Olave at 21st overall. Because if you are going that early in drafts and best ball, you're certifiably good. All yes. right. Yeah. We everyone knows those two guys could ball out. <laughs> okay, we have ten more names plus maybe a few more after that, and we're just going to go in the ADP order. We thought that was the best way to organize this, and I'm sure a lot of our comments are going to suggest if we agree with that ADP order here, and we kick it off, Hayden, with Christian Watson, who's being drafted right now on Underdog Fantasy, the home of best ball, at wide receiver 19, 40th overall. Let's just lay the slate: 14 games in his rookie year. 66 targets, 41 receptions, 611 yards, and just remember that ludicrous hot streak of seven touchdowns. Yeah, and those came 39, 46, 58, and 63 yards down the field. He scored almost three touchdowns more than you would expect based off of his targets. And to me, this is one talking about college profile versus what he did in the NFL. He was better in the NFL than I thought he was going to be as a prospect, but he wins in the exact ways hmm. and loses in the exact ways that I thought 
he is super athletic and that's where he's going to be at his best, both down the field and a little bit uh, with some of the design stuff underneath. Now his hands are still super inconsistent. You'll see some of these down there. They'll all tracking issues with him. He just had way too many drops for my liking. And the other thing about him is I don't think that he is like super bendy necessarily. I think he's like a really explosive, but I think there are some routes like the slant route, or just a regular dig route that he can struggle with at times. So I think right now he's more of a boom bust wide receiver two on an NFL team. But in this offense, he's certainly the number one because there's a lack of targets. So I think he should be a good player. I think that we could be overrating him just a little bit because mm. of these long touchdowns. He will have some drops like we just saw in that last play. I want to bring it all the way back because in the opening game against the Minnesota Vikings, 9-15 left in the first quarter, vertical route, drop touchdown that was an easy bucket catch right then we get to week two it was a bunch of like cross formation manufactured stuff in fact in kind of the games that he played towards the middle of the season he had a negative a dot in multiple games right as a part-time player as you said you saw him like clapping and clamping at catches against the dallas cowboys and it led to some inconsistent play and he didn't hit 70 percent of his snaps until week 10 Week 10, and then for the following six games of 80-plus percent of the snaps, he just had, like, ridiculous marks. Again, a 23.4% target share and a 43% end zone target share. Like, six points and touchdowns, we talk about it all the time, and it really matched up when the game started, you know, slowing down for him. Like, I'm totally with you. He can out-athlete everyone on the NFL pitch, you know, like that is where his game is at right now. And so because of that, I think the floor that you're looking at is one of the top downfield playmakers across the NFL. But there were those moments, you know, where you saw some nuances or detail to his game where he could like extend his skill set just relying on that athleticism and to take tr some of those like true wide receiver things. But again, the entire rookie season was a bit inconsistent, despite what that awesome spike weeks of production might indicate. And this is just a, a classic sample uh, over two yards per route run since 2016. The the rookies who have hit that mark, Jamar Chase, Kadarius, Tony, Justin Jefferson, AJ Brown, Hunter Renfro, Debo Samuel, Terry McLaurin, Chris Godwin, Cooper Cup, Tyreek Hill, Michael Thomas joining those elite wide receivers this year was Chris Olave, Christian Watson, and then Drake London. So the, the history is there. The target competition is there. He's going to be a productive player. Is he going to be a, the true possession receiver? I don't think so. But you don't have to have that type of receiver be your number one uh, wide receiver on your own team. Uh, a couple things that I wanted to note that some of the detail I was talking about was – in the red zone, inside the 10-yard line, he really seemed to use some of his pacing, you know? He would jog and then sprint. And so, like, some of that off coverage that he he did face, um, maybe some of the corners felt like, okay, I've got my guy. I've got my man. And then as soon as he started sprinting, they were one or two steps behind, and they could do nothing about it, right? And to me, that shows, and I don't know if that's just a coaching element or if that's him doing it. I'm sure it's about the timing of the play, but it shows, and especially in some of these like stacked formations that he got, like, man, this is a really, really intriguing player that I don't know if there's many like him that come around. And Matt Harmon's comparison of Martavis Bryant stands out to me that I don't know if he's like the Mr. Reliable week in, week out, series in, series out, X wide receiver that you build everything around. 
but can he change the course and an outcome of a game? But we're paying for that. You know, like we are paying for that as wide receiver 19, 40th overall. And again, the third, second year wide receiver only behind Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. Yep. Totally agree with that. Final point. Um, How this lined up with the strengths of Aaron Rodgers last year, where he had some of the most ridiculous ball placement on some of these vertical shots, which going back to the root of it where Christian Watson shined. Are you as optimistic? Are you as certain that we're going to Jordan love that we're going to get those types of, of moments, you know, that even if the volume isn't there, some of the spike weeks can still be there because of the quarterback play he has now versus, you know, Aaron Rodgers in the past. He'll certainly have spike weeks. I think he's probably gonna be more of a wide receiver three and you're drafting him as a wide receiver two in fantasy right now. Uh, He's certainly a better and best ball pick, but yeah, I mean, he was such a pristine fit with Aaron Rodgers downfield. And yeah, you can miss me with Jordan Love hitting those same exact shots. That's for sure. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Uh, next up, it is Drake London, wide receiver 25, 47 overall. In 17 games, he had 117 targets for 72 receptions and 866 yards and four touchdowns. Fight on, fight on. Hayden. Talk us through your second year projections here for Drake London. So just based off of his tape, I think he's the second best receiver in this class, only behind Garrett Wilson. The difference with Drake London right now is for somebody that is as big as he is, and he's going to be a contested catch receiver. I think he can sink his hips at a pretty sweet level. And he runs a very real X receiver uh, route tree. He can hit these digs. He has some yards after the catch appeal. He's very hard to bring back bring down after he catches the ball, but he can also win downfield and high point things. So will he have the same numbers as the other receivers like Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson? Probably not. The offense will hold him back to some degree, but the player that I keep kind of comparing Drake London to is Michael Thomas. Now I think Michael Thomas is a little bit faster just in general. And Michael Thomas was like a perfect scheme fit with Drew Brees. He'll never touch those numbers. But talking about like a true X wide receiver that can bend, can win downfield, I think Drake London can do a lot of that. And he actually turned out last year to be PFF's highest graded rookie wide receiver. And he also led the group in targets per route run. London is a route runner. He's a separator. And I think that is difficult for people to comprehend heading into the league when you just looked at his size. And people might have assumed that he was like a contested catch guy or maybe even a Mike Evans type. But your Michael Thomas comparison, I think, is really apt because Drake London is not lumbering. Like there are multiple breaking routes against off coverage where he attacks blind spots. And just with his movement, he will create that separation. Um, The issue, as you said, was not drake london as the individual it was the falcons leading the nfl in rushing attempts last year and then being 31st in pass attempts at just 24 per contest now we've outlined it in a bunch of shows already with the addition of Bijan robinson still arthur smith is saying that they want to be more balanced and that balance might go to about 30 32 passing attempts per game but what i loved was that arthur smith kind of used him in similar ways to AJ Brown in that he was 10th in the NFL and intermediate target rate at 41.2%. And as you can see here, so many of these targets are in in breaking routes. And that is again, so similar to AJB. And while I'm not going to put him in that tier yet and that level of athleticism 
fulfilling that role in this offense is super beneficial when we look at it from a fantasy football standpoint. Last year, only 72% of his targets were deemed catchable, and that was a quarterback uh, stat, basically. Yeah, he's going to live in the intermediate part of the field, but I do think that he, just because he's such a good route runner, his tempo's good, he can actually sink his hip and break back inside, that there are some times where he can win on a little double move down the field, and he can moss players downfield. So I think that he's going to be a really good wide receiver. Is he going to be a fantasy wide receiver one? That would be very hard to do in this offense. But his tape was really good. His college profile yep. was really good. And a lot of these numbers kind of back that thing up. He only had a, a sub-3% drop rate. Uh, his contested catch is at 54%. That's pretty damn good. And he can move into the slot when needed there as well. So I think I think a true bona fide number one wide receiver, I would not be surprised if he's a consensus top 10 wide receiver in rankings just like based off of their talent in the next couple of years i think he's looking at like a real pro bowl type of receiver here and there were so many big plays left on the field i mean from so, all target so, so. passes like and you know we've talked about it a lot in the arthur smith dynamic when i think with matt ryan they averaged about 33 or 35 pass attempts per game when we got marcus mariota where it was a much different offense and Desmond Ritter in his first start, just going back and watching that with Drake London, Ritter was leaving clean pockets. He was terrified going to his second read. He did get a little bit better as the season went on. And like, if we get that level of play, I, I firmly believe Drake London is going to outperform wide receiver 25. You know, like yep. we didn't get many of the deep shots that were open last year and just hitting a few of those will drastically change things. And again, it's really easy to, you know, Blame Arthur Smith for the lack of production for Kyle Pitts and lack of production for Drake London. But I actually liked how they kind of use them in tandem a lot. One would be kind of the clear out guy and then the other one will work right next to him on an underneath route and putting them on the same side of the field must be terrifying. And that happens a lot near the goal line too. You know, it's rubber outs, it's tight splits, it's all of it. So Again, I don't know what the ceiling can be if Desmond Ritter is your quarterback, but in terms of an individual, I am perfectly comfortable taking a ton of Drake London right now as wide receiver 25. Just to put in the context of that, it's DJ Moore, Keenan Allen ahead of him, Terry McLaurin, and Christian Watson right after him. Christian Watson or Drake London straight up base if you're an NFL GM and then also for fantasy this year. I'm wanted on both. I, I want it on both. If I am a team builder, I 100% want Drake London on my roster over Christian oh, Watson. Yeah. But that's, that's not saying anything negative about Christian Watson. I think they're just fulfilling different elements of a team. Like Drake London can't do the explosive things that Christian Watson does with the ball in his hands. But again, a series in, series out, wide receiver stuff, which I know is like the most simple statement. But when you go back and hopefully you've been watching these highlights and lowlights that we bring up with each of these players, they're kind of playing the game in, in different ways. But yeah. at the same time, Hayden, what we thought about the Falcons last year, think of what we're having to pay this year mm -hmm. with like Cal Pitts is what tight end five. Bijan Robinson is a running back two overall and Drake London is the wide receiver 25. Can they all do it? Can they all do it? Ryan Tannehill time. Let's make it happen. <laughs> Um, I did want to bring up this from, from Nate Tice, who created this stat. I don't know if you saw this, Hayden, but it's really intriguing stuff. And I know you can just like put some numbers together and create stats all you want. But Nate is, let's say, very good at this analyst thing, okay? Um, meshing successful targets 
with total routes run and a successful target. He defines it by basically just gaining four plus yards on first down half a distance to gain on second down or picking up a first down on third or fourth down. And so these are all the players of 50 plus targets. And look at this list. I mean, it's loaded with some of the top players and I'm on St. Brown, Tyree kills Stephon Diggs. You get down to number six. That's Chris Olave. You get down to number nine. That is Drake London. And you get down to 19. And that's Christian Watson. So this is already like premier prime categories for these second year wide receivers. We already talked about to enter into. And uh, I would put Drake London his own tier compared to like this rookie class, like just based off the tape. Like that. Like that a lot. All right. Next up. George Pickens, 17 games, 84 targets, 52 catches for 801 yards and four touchdowns. How are you feeling about George Pickens? Uh, because I'm nervous. Wow, you're nervous. Okay, so I can see this thing kind of going both ways. He was basically only used in one way, and Matt Harmon's reception perception had a great nugget. 42% of his routes were either go balls or corner routes, and they yep. just basically put him on the sideline and just let him go win downfield, and he would make some absolutely ridiculous grabs. I think he looks pretty fluid in general as an athlete. I will say, and this is probably what your concern is going to be, his just like natural feel for things. And he's kind of a wild route runner. He has not been very good on any of the in-breaking routes, any of the, the like the press man coverage. If you just have to win a slate on the third and five, that has not been his game. He's actually basically like the inverse of Deontay Johnson, who I think could struggle at times down the field, but is very good underneath. George Pickens is the exact opposite to me. So I'm going to guess that you're going to say that he's kind of chaotic on the underneath and intermediate parts of the field. And they have not asked him to do that much. And that, that is kind of a chicken or the egg situation. But right now, I think he's like Devontae Parker. And there's maybe a chance that he can uh, improve beyond that. But last year was a very inconsistent profile. I think it might come down to you just appreciating the Devontae Parker types more than I do, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, and we're only talking about what we know right now of the situation that George Pickens is in. And I totally get, is this the chicken or the egg situation? Like he's basically a fade route, outbreaking route, back shoulder guy right now. And that's it. But we didn't see a change in offensive coordinator. Like this might be what Matt Candle wants him to be in this offense. And yes, he has absurd acrobatic catches, elevates his perception, I think, and almost glides in the air at times and watching those even in practice or one handed grabs that he didn't come down with, but was out of bounds again, I think might change people's belief in, Oh man, he has a massive ceiling, but he doesn't win after the catch at all. He doesn't work over the middle of field. And again, chicken over the egg. I totally am with you on that. And those routes to me in terms of slants in breakers are the consistent elements. Oh yeah. The digs, the down in down out series and series out stuff. And he's just like not asked to do any of it. So I don't know if that's much talking about the player as an individual, as much as it's the player plus situation he's going to repeat next year, unless something surprising happens. And at that price tag, at wide receiver 36, I'm out. I'm out. Yeah, I, I I think I'm fine with it because I'm expecting the Steelers offense just to look way better. They were 26 in scoring last year. Upgrades on the offensive line. Kenny Pickett in year two. George Pickens, in theory, should get a little bit better. 
himself, same like Pat Fryer with Najee Harris. So I just think that the Steelers are a candidate to be like the 16th best offensive league instead of like the 26th. And if that happens, George Pickens, I do think can get there. But I'm with you, even going back to Georgia, when I think both you and I were intrigued when he was like a second round type of prospect. At Georgia, he was Mr. Just Jump Ball down by the right. sideline. And that's like what he was. So for him to be a round one level prospect, he has to get better on the slants and the dig routes and the out routes and the curls and all that type of stuff. And that to me is a lot of field based stuff that George Pickens has not shown yet. But if he does do that, we're talking about a receiver that has plenty of potential here. So this is kind of like, I would say the most likely scenario is like what you said. He's just this guy. But if, if we're wrong and he actually develops in year two and the Steelers, by the way, pretty good at developing these wide receivers could take a big leap here. So I'm going to be drafting him just in case that does happen. He's going ahead of Deontay Johnson. And to me, that's unfair. I'm taking Deontay Johnson over George Pickens each time right now. Yeah, I just wrote a column on the players I've drafted at least 25% of through my first 20 drafts and Deontay Johnson yeah. and George Pickens right there. Interesting. So, I mean, and it's not that big of a difference. It's a two pick difference. 72nd for George Pickens, 74th or 75th for Deontay Johnson. I don't know. Like, we just don't know if he can win on inside breakers. Like mm -hmm. he's basically run along the sideline in isolated environments and we're going to throw you the football and hopefully you have separation. If you don't come down with something acrobatic. Yep. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to bank on that when he's like, again, that's prime territory. A name where two names we're about to talk about are being drafted right after him. And I'm drafting both of those guys or would want to ahead of George Pickens each and every time, mm -hmm. you know, it's, yeah. I think, I think it's totally fair. I, I'm just going to, I just think there's, a path to him if he can clean up any of the stuff in underneath uh, underneath or in the intermediate parts of the field we're looking at like a classic number one wide receiver and those are the guys that really pop off especially in half ppr but you're just making a leap i can't which is fine like that happens when we talk about football but it, it's almost like um let's say the moon and the shade of it where we have only seen this element but we have not seen nothing on this side of the field, you know, absolutely nothing. So I, I, I can't say he's like the type of receiver that I would want to search for when all of this stuff on the inside is just a question mark completely. Yeah, he's the crescent moon of wide receivers. <laughs> <laughs> Trillon Burks is next. Uh, just one spot after wide receiver 37, 74 overall. Uh, 54 targets, 33 catches for 440 yards and just one touchdown in 11 games. Uh, we talked about this with Denny. Hopefully people tune into that show, the five players he can't stop drafting. I think he's peaked all the way up at like wide receiver 39 last year. Um, where are you at with Traylon Burks heading into year two? Last year's rookie disaster was not shocking to me whatsoever. And I no. don't think that necessarily means that we ha can't draft him this year. In college, Traylon Burks was basically a manufactured touch slot gadget type of player because he was the most athletic dude on the field every single time. The Titans drafted him to replace A.J. Brown, who does not do any of that stuff. He wins real routes on the outside, and Traylon Burks spent all of training camp just trying to get back into condition, and he had some weight problems even going back in college. So it was not a surprise that he didn't see the field when he was even starting. He was not a full-time player because there were times last year where Traylon Burks was just not knowing where to line up. There was times where the ball would snap and he'd still be on the line of scrimmage a little bit too late. He had some questionable plays just on where he should be uh, running his routes. All that being said, 
there were some plays throughout this highlight thing where you're like, okay, there's the round one wide receiver. And sometimes yeah. it's just hard to find those type of bodies. He's right now to me, a downfield threat that can go up and high point the play. He can go win after the catch. Is he consistent yet? I don't think so, but I think over the next couple of years, he'll get slightly better at that. And that's kind of how I viewed him as a prospect. I put a round two grade on him because I thought it was going to take a couple of years, but right now the Titans have no choice, but to get him the ball. And I think there's a chance now that he is in better condition where they can actually manufacture some touches. I don't think that Vrabel was going to do that last year as a rookie just because his training camp was so bad yeah as you pointed out arkansas used him in the slot 77 percent of the time he was constantly in motion to give him free releases and get him on the move already he only faced press coverage 39 times uh before his rookie season and again they threw him into the fire last year they're like hey go learn the job and hopefully it pays off this year and i'm drafting him as if it is going to pay off or at least there's an opportunity for it to pay off. As you said, you and I were both highly skeptical of how much love he was getting last year to immediately come in and fill in for the massive shoes of AJ Brown on likely a worse team. Guess what? That happened. But this year, he has to be the guy. He has to be the guy if the Titans are going to be competitive in games, point blank, period. And going back to this, like the middle of the field is his game. It's like these digs, it's these crossers, it's these drags, it's these slants. But at the same time, he does have vertical speed against man coverage. And I thought as the season went along, we saw some of that inexperience and that rawness turn into some development in terms of manipulation on downfield routes. Like you saw him attack some blind spots or force some false steps by corners. And then he ran right past them. Um, and it hurt him. I thought last year towards the end of the year, maybe when that development was happening, that the Titans offense just like went to total shit. Once Ryan Tannehill went out of the game. Yeah, that's the problem is that's what we should expect is going to happen here. Like he only ran 23 routes per game and right. only 71% of his targets were catchable. And Will Levis, if he gets in there, man, he is nowhere near Ryan Tannehill even. So uh, there, there's just some limitations there. But I, I think we should expect Traylon Burks to take some developments that the other wide receivers we're talking about on the show are more or less maxed out. To me, it was predictable that he struggled and would not be surprised if two, three years from now that he's one of the top receivers in his class. Yeah. As you saw on some of those clips, at times they would kind of run these three or four verticals and it would almost be a downfield screen for Traylon Burks to catch it and then those guys would turn into blockers. I like that stuff. Like, let him be an athlete on delayed routes and good things can happen. Um, there's this constant discourse when I either talk about Traylon Burks or Chig Okwankwo Hayden that you get these responses of, well, the Titans are going to be losing in a bunch of games, so they're going to get a bunch of garbage time. Like, look, I get that we can shade on the side of garbage time and highlight it as possibilities. But as we always talk about Hayden, what that also means is that your team is way down on the scoreboard. You're losing, and that means you have scored fewer points and touchdowns than your opponents. And that is typically not a team that I really want to try to invest in as often. I kind of feel like I'm taking crazy pills when I say that because a lot of people don't seem to think of it in that manner when they're drafting these teams. The Titans were 30th in fantasy, expected fantasy points to their wide receivers as a team last year. So, I mean... The, the, I know the, I know it's easy to say, hey, garbage time, they're going to have to throw right. late in games. So, but that means, one, they've been bad at doing it for the majority of the game, and then they haven't scored as many points. And, like, I would rather invest in the teams that do score a lot of the points and aren't having to rely on garbage time, you know? Or if 
or if it is garbage time, it's not after their Titans defense. I feel still think is at least decent. Brable will coach them up and they're going to play really slow football and they're going to run the ball a lot. So the garbage time happens like the fourth quarter when they're panicking. It's not like some of these other teams, like, like the classic lines with Stafford where the offense was functional and their defense was such a train wreck and they were never trying to run the ball. So there was actually more garbage time opportunity. The garbage time for the Titans will be like with six minutes left in the game. So. Yeah. Yeah. They also did some interesting things where they would max protect everyone and ask him to run like an individual downfield route by himself, like Jair Alexander against the mm-hmm. Green Bay Packers. We saw that too. Um, I hope he learns how to harness his strength in Traylon Burks as well, because there are a couple of examples against press coverage where he just like threw his man off of him at the line mm-hmm. of scrimmage. So it's the elements that you see. It's the traits that you see. And while we had maybe similar questions coming out of Arkansas, I'm actually more confident in his evaluation now than I was a year ago, if that makes sense. Yeah, his his release package just got to get better. And I think yeah. it wasn't really a straight thing. He just he just timing, all that stuff was just he just so raw. He was never asked to do it. It's not a surprise that he's struggling right. with it. Right. All right. Have you ever been on vacation after a long day of activities or sightseeing? You have a night in room service, bathrobes, and television or movies. And when you're in a foreign country, you scroll Netflix or Hulu or whatever streaming service you have, and you realize that the library of content there is so much larger than it is in the United States. You start a new show, a new series, and when you get back home, you realize you now have to find that on a different service or pay for it in a different way. That is where Surfshark comes in. It's a VPN service that lets you virtually travel the world with a tap of a finger. You can go to Spain, Canada, Costa Rica to watch the content available in those countries. So you can try Surfshark today, totally risk-free with a 30-day money-back guarantee. And get Surfshark VPN at surfshark.deals underdog or enter promo code underdog for three extra months for free. You heard me right, three extra months for free. That is surfshark.deals slash underdog. So we go from the 37th wide receiver being taken on underdog fantasy right now to the 41st. And that is Jahan Dotson. 81st overall right now. 12 games. Only 61 targets. 35 catches. 535 yards. And seven touchdowns. I'll make the statement. The worst ADP on underdog fantasy right now is Jahan Dotson being drafted behind George Pickens. I am exiting so many drafts with Jahan Dotson on my roster. Yeah, I put the big three is Garrett Wilson, Drake London, Chris Olave. Then I have a tier down. It's Jahan Dotson. And then there's another tier to me. And then it's the rest of these guys that we're starting to talk about. Jahan Dotson is really underrated. And isn't necessarily going to translate to a bunch of fantasy points. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. Um, But in college, he was a slot player that would play bigger than his size. And then last year, they just stuck him on the outside because they had Curtis Samuel in the slot. I know that Scott Turner loves Curtis Samuel a lot. But Jahan Dotson was doing things that other type of like slot receivers that place that are pretty small can't do. He just had so many double moves. His route running is pristine. He has timing. He has pacing. He can work against press man coverage, even though he is small because he plays bigger. And I think the reason why he plays bigger is his ball tracking is so good that I lets him kind of make the jump at the right time. He can extend over his head and you just don't see those type of things. And there's a chance if they do phase Curtis Samuel out of this offense where they can manufacture some touches to him in ways that he did not get to have last year. And I'm hoping that's what they do with Jahan Dotson. I'm with you. I think he's really underrated. 
I think he's in a tier of his own after this big three. Much better to me than George Pickens and Traylon Burks and these other guys right now. Uh, is he going to be a true number one? Probably not uh, because of that size. But, man, he has got a great feel for zone coverage. And even though he is small, he can win against press. This is the easiest pick in drafts at the moment because it's in this area where running back, you're talking about like Rashad White, Alexander Madison, James Conner, some players that we like. Tight end, it's Darren Waller. Again, we've talked about the wide receivers and Marquise Brown and Gabe Davis are drafting around Brennan Cooks. I'm hammering Jahan Dotson at this point each time. And it goes back to what you said. Like, I thought we would get a super solid slot player who played bigger than his frame. And instead, when you watch him, you see a complete wide receiver. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't use that term complete wide receiver lightly. He has legit route manipulation. He is a smooth operator. And that's between the 20s. And then when you get inside of the red zone, he really fights with his hands and whatever size he does have at what, like 5'11", 190 pounds to push his defensive back off of him, create that sliver of separation, and then play outside of his frame to come out with touchdowns. Um, again, now we're talking about Eric Bieniemy with Sam Howell and Jacoby Brissett throwing to these guys. But at the very core, at the very foundation right now, the Washington Commanders have two elite, awesome talents mm -hmm. in the wide receiver room and Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson. And that is flying under the radar. Yeah, 15.4 ADOT is only uh, lower than George Pickens of the guys we're going to talk about today. And I'd like to see that thing come down. He can win, win deep, but let's see some of the scheme stuff to him. Yeah. I'd like to put him in the slot a little bit more than they did last year. And maybe that's what Eric Bieniemy's plan is going to be. He did run a bunch of downfield routes, as you said, like 30.4% of all of his targets were 20 plus yards. That's the 13th most in the league, 13th most. Um, and yeah, I, I do want to ask you about that because you said Eric Bien Eric Bien-Ami will probably change the routes that are run. But we also try to extrapolate from either players or coaches or whatever, what they've done in the previous stops. And sure, he wasn't the play caller, but bien did help game plan an offense that was focused uh, on an out of this world quarterback, you know, and like a unicorn at tight end. And he has neither of those <laughs> in Washington. So it's almost a case of I'm not exactly sure how they're going to utilize Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson this year. Well, they did manufacture a bunch of touches to their wide receiver. So maybe we yeah. get a little amount of that. And I think you made a good point in the Slack that Jahan Dotson and Terry McLaurin were basically asked to run all these downfield routes because that's where like Carson Wentz was like in theory at his best or like Taylor Heineke breaking the, the pocket and thinking he's just going into sicko mode and just launching balls downfield. Hopefully there's a little bit more consistency to that. And I think that Jacoby Brissett, if he is the starter eventually can do that and we'll see what, what, what Sam Howell is going to do. All right. Again, Jahan good Dotson. Player. I mean, such a good player. And it, you know, we watch all these games every single week of the NFL season, but then it's really tough to grasp just who these players are because it almost kind of all blends together. And I would say of this entire grouping, maybe Jahan Dotson shocked me the most when going back and isolating him because, I mean, I think people were shocked when he was drafted ahead of Traylon Burks last year. And that is already valid from a decision maker standpoint, I believe, in Washington's front office. Yeah, completely agree. All right. So now it's an interesting jump. You know, we go from wide receiver 41 down to wide receiver 49 and 102 overall. That is Jamison Williams, who now has a six-game suspension, barely played last year, coming off an ACL. He was being drafted much earlier than this before that suspension. What did you see when isolating Jamison Williams? 
So he tore his ACL in mid-January, and then he returned to the field on December 4th, which is eight months. And to me, I'll just put it this way. He shouldn't have been out there. I just think it's really that simple. He just didn't look right. I know that he can win downfield, and he actually like was like really fast when it came to like next-gen stats. But he just didn't play with any confidence. His or strength. Like, or strength. Like this, this was a really bad route for him uh right there it just he didn't seem like he was playing on his toes very well and he was basically just running downfield routes and he just wasn't ready so i'm almost like willing to like throw out all of his stats and the stats were really bad he had a couple drops mixed in there but this was not the player i saw at alabama period like at alabama i saw somebody that could be really like revolutionary to this game very few players that have his speed could be like a legit like Deshaun Jackson type of player. Last year, I didn't see any of that. Like it was just a really bad season for him. Obviously, coming off the suspension, that's another uh, added wrinkle and risk to the situation. But I don't know. I don't think I can extrapolate much from Jameson Williams' film uh, because he just looked like a completely different player to me. Well, then to ask the question, are you fine with where he's going on underdog right now? As wide receiver 49, that's one spot in wide receiver talk after Elijah Moore, one spot ahead of Juju Smith-Schuster and surrounded by a bunch of running back talents like Alvin Kamara, Zach Charbonnet, AJ Dillon. And to answer my own question, I haven't pressed the Jameson Williams button once. Yeah, I haven't done it much either. I thought he was going to fall just another tier below, um, and then I would have some interest here. Yeah, man, coming into this, I thought that he was going to be a really good player. And yeah. after watching this, I was a little bit more skeptical of that, throwing the suspension risk than yes. But to me, he still has a path to a massive ceiling, just like going back to just where he was uh, as a prospect to me. So I'm going to probably draft him a little bit, if, uh, assuming that his ADP is going to drop just another couple spots. Um, but yeah, last year, he, was just, he just wasn't strong enough. I like that point of dropping another tier because that next tier is Odell Beckham and Alan Lazard. And I would have that internal for conversation sure. there yeah. for sure. Now to the point of us not knowing who maybe Jamison Williams is more than his profile. Totally agree with you there. I do trust Ben Johnson to scheme him into open scenarios and like put him as one of the wrinkles in the offense that, Hey, if this is man to man coverage or Hey, if we focus the attention of the defense this way with misdirection, then it's one-on-one -on -one or no coverage and it's broken. And he's running down the field. Like Ben Johnson is good enough with a player of this speed to create stuff down the field. But it was a perfect point that you made where no confidence last year. The movement wasn't really what we were expecting. And the strength, like if he got free releases, we saw the speed. But as soon as he was contacted early in his routes, I mean, it slowed him down tremendously. Yeah. And if a player has built his game on speed and gets slowed down early, then there's not that much else there. So I'm almost taking this upcoming season, even without six more games, as Jameson Williams' second rookie season. Yes, I agree. The Ben Johnson point is fascinating to me because Amon Ra underneath, Gibbs underneath, Sam Laporta to me is an underneath kind of gadget, undersized player. They need somebody to stretch the field. And like in, in theory, six Jamison Williams targets downfield, probably two of them are going to be completed, but those could be groundbreaking. I think that's a good scheme fit. I understand what the Lions are building on offense. Uh, he's like the perfect complement to like Amon Ross and Brown. All right. Next up, all the way down to wide receiver 56. 124 overall sky more 16 games last year just 33 targets 22 receptions 250 yards and just looking at like the kansas city room right now being drafted travis kelsey is the sixth overall pick 
Kadarius Tony is going as wide receiver 35, 70th overall. Then it's Sky Moore and Rasheed Rice basically back-to-back at 124, 128 overall. So if we're reading between the lines here, Hayden, underdog drafters are drafting as if the quote-unquote wide receiver one, albeit that really is Travis Kelsey, unquestionably is Kadarius Tony. Is that fair to you after watching Sky Moore? Yeah, until DeAndre Hopkins signs there uh, after a post-June <laughs> 1 release. But until then, yes, Kadarius Tony moves way differently than Sky Moore. Sky Moore was basically caught in the slot. I think it was like 49% of the times. He would be a manufactured touch player on occasion when they would throw the ball underneath or hand the ball off to him. I didn't see that much athleticism with him. He kind of looks mm. like a running back out there he's very physical and that's where i think his best athletic traits are is he can kind of run through this thing kind of get a little bit yards after the catch but there was nothing too super explosive to me and he was running mickey mouse type of routes for most of the time is in the slot little in breaking option route they would have him uh in the backfield on occasion so expecting him to go play on the outside i think is probably a bit rich and this was kind of the the pros and cons of his college profile too and in kind of in some ways Zay Flowers is these type of size players who did play on the outside. Are they just going to be kind of stuck in this kind of weird slot role? And I think that's where he's going to be destined for. So even like to me, like Rasheed Rice, who I didn't think was as good of a college prospect. To me, he he fits that Juju Smith-Schuster role probably better than Sky Moore. And I think that's the valuable role. Uh, and I'm not sure how much of a leap Sky Moore is actually going to make this year. Put a pin in that Juju and Rasheed Rice coming because I want to circle back to it. Um, you know this. I was very out on 2023 Sky Moore because the fancy football universe lost their damn minds. A bit much, right? <laughs> uh, I mean, his ADP closed as wide receiver 44. Wow. Hey, now I'm here to tell you I'm in on wide receiver 56 Sky Moore. Um, I know he didn't play that much last year. And granted, just not playing that much in an offense that was kind of craving wide receivers might be a detrimental point against him. Right. But when he did play and when he was on the field and when he did run routes... They almost like focused the ball to him in Mm -hmm. many scenarios. You know, Um, we're looking at tiny little samples here. Sky Moore forced seven missed tackles last year on just 27 receptions. Yeah, that is one fewer than Juju Smith-Schuster on 61 fewer catches. Mm -hmm. And that same seven forced missed tackles is the same number as Jalen Waddle and Amari Cooper on 51 fewer catches. So I don't know where he's going to play, you know, but. The more I watched Sky Moore from last year, again, in just like a tiny little sample of games that he actually did see wide receiver snaps on, I was left a bit optimistic that we could see a pretty big second year jump. And I don't think that like that ambiguity of the wide receiver room is being accounted for enough in underdog drafts right now. Do you think that he will be able to play in two wide receiver sets on the outside and just go win like a actual NFL route, not like this manufactured. Because I will say, whenever he goes on the field, they're they're looking to get in the ball. But the same thing was like Kadarius Tony, who I think is just moving at a much love, much different level to mm-hmm. me. Like between Kadarius and Sky Moore, similar-ish type of profiles. Who's going to be the guy when it's they're doubling Travis Kelsey in his third and eight? Yeah, the people hate to hear this, but MVS is going to be like a starting two wide receiver set player at this moment mm-hmm. for the Kansas City Chiefs. Who knows what happens for the rest of the offseason? Your Juju Smith-Schuster comment is interesting because Rasheed Rice didn't play a lot of slot wide receiver in college, I believe. But Brett Veach, once drafting him, said that we loved his after-catch ability and we loved his size. So once drafting and losing Juju, excuse me, then drafting Rasheed Rice makes sense because they share similar traits. 
And because of his size and because of actually probably where he won last year, I think a lot of people might be expecting because year one in an Andy Reid system might be kind of difficult than going into year two that, oh, the slot is now Sky Morris to own. I'm almost of the opinion now that the Chiefs, when building their pass catching grouping, really value size, like really value size, because we've seen it with multiple tight end sets. We've seen it with wide receivers like Juju they brought in and MVS that maybe they prefer someone like Rice over Sky Moore and inside in three wide receiver sets. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, it's, it's literally why I think that if DeAndre Hopkins does get released, that the Chiefs are the team that makes so much sense because they don't have that type of player on this roster. And I I, I am with you. Like they just there's too many guys like Sky Moore, Kadarius Tony. Like to me, it's enough already. We've done the McCole Hardman project already it's like it's too similar they need a guy that's going to be consistent out and just winning a press man coverage and to me right now the best bet for that would be Kadarius tony and then i think i'm gonna go rasheed rice um sky more to me is like a running back almost okay i just am asking this question because i i, I feel like when you and i have our priors on someone like Kadarius tony we just focus in on that especially mm-hmm. when you know we get some nfl network reports saying like oh he's the unquestioned wide receiver one right but when I look at this, a 21 wide receiver gap between the two and 55 overall picks from 70 down to 124, like Kadarius Tony hasn't really shown us something that we can say, oh, game in, game out. We know that he's going to play this, you know, like he is this guy that you can depend on. <laughs> um, yeah. To me, I think that there is more ambiguity that maybe we should be investing in with the sky more maybe fulfilling that dependability that Kadarius Tony cannot. Does that make sense? If Kadarius Tony was an every down player that we was dependable, he'd be going in round two or three. That's that's to me is the difference. There there is ambiguity here. So I think that like you shouldn't completely write off Sky Moore, Rice, any like the bottom line is n- none of these guys project all that well right now, but somebody's gonna hit here. Um so I'm not sure. I I just don't see Sky more like consistently winning on the outside. And quickly, here's Brett Veach on that Rasheed Rice comment. Um, these are guys that you know you can do some some different things with. Um, certainly excited to add Rasheed to this mix here. He was a guy that um, you know the contested catch and the run after after the catch was something that really stood out. And you know we did lose Juju, and I think it it makes sense to you know find a guy that can do a lot of things that he can do in the inside game. And he's almost like a running back after the catch. And um, this guy's done a tremendous job of, of getting better and improving. We saw that throughout the course of last year and he went through a lot of adversity, but the kid, his mental resiliency is, is, is awesome. And, um, you know, look forward to, for him to take the next step. And, you know, everyone knows about Kadarius and how talented he is. And, you know, Kadarius can do anything on the field. He can line up inside, outside, running back, quarterback. I mean, he, he can do it all as quarterback back in this day. So, um, again, we just like to put talent out in the field. And, and coach will find ways to put these guys in different positions and different formations and different sets. And, um, you know, you throw that group in there with a bunch of talent. We have a tight end. Um, you know, I – let the coaches do their thing. But, um, you know, all three of those guys, you know, we're really excited about. I guess that's my final point here is, you know, we talk so often about two wide receiver sets, three wide receiver sets. And actually just going back, I was stunned with how many targets Juju got last year, just in general, um, because he wasn't that good for there was a stint. There was a stint in the middle of the season before he got hurt, where he was like really starting to break out. Right. Right. Um, but to Vich's point, I know he's not the one who's calling plays or orchestrating the offense or any of that stuff. It's, really simple to say this but like it's travis kelsey and maybe it's like horses for courses for everything else you know so i i, I hate to say it but maybe i'm slightly nervous with where Kadarius tony is going right now in comparison to everyone else 
Yep. I'm I just stacked DeAndre Hopkins with Mahomes. That's that's my end point here. <laughs> Next up, Romeo Dobbs. Uh, it took us an entire year to figure out how to say his last name, and now he's going as wide receiver 61, 138 overall. Uh, 13 games, 67 targets, 42 receptions, 425 yards, and three scores. Lots of early flashes. What do you see from those early flashes and then for the rest of the season? So I think he has like outside receiver size, but to me, he has day three athleticism. And that's kind of been his MO last year. He had like decent targets per route run numbers, which I know a lot of people like, but a lot of that was aided by just very weak target competition throughout the year. And then actually 10 of his 42 receptions came on screens. I'm not sure if I saw like a consistent player in any of the phases. I think that they got some value out of him as a day three pick. Um, I do think that he can uh, run some of these inside routes, uh, intermediate short type of routes. He is kind of like a dirty work, do all type of player. There's lots of value in that. I think that he's pretty physical. And I think that he has some value in like two wide receiver sets because he can block a little bit. He can do some of the, the screen work like we just saw on that last play there. Does he have upside? I just I just didn't see it. Yeah, I mean, again, he had those early flashes. But then the more I watched him during last year and then this past week, I was searching for that like that next gear. And I just didn't see an elevation to his game or an improvement to his game. But guess what? That's why he was probably a third day pick. You know, he was the 132nd overall pick in the 2022 NFL draft. That was after wide receiver names like Velas Jones, Jalen Tolbert, David Bell, Danny Gray. So your statement on value that they've already hit on this fourth round selection, it's right. It's good. He is going to outperform some of the players that were drafted ahead of them. Maybe some I mentioned, maybe some I didn't. But does that mean now that we should expect even a bigger jump in year two or in year three? Probably not. And it stands out to me why they selected someone maybe like Jane Reed in round two. And there's a pretty significant gap between where Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, and Jane Reed are kind of all being selected. Again, Dobbs has some areas where he wins, but um, like hands catcher, solid after the catch, lots of screens in breaking routes and play action. But I don't know if he's one of these, like, again, day three guys who turns into a superstar and just elevates his game. No, I think he's like a poor man's Corey Davis, kind of just like what his role is going to be. Um, so I think he's going to be on the field. I think that they have a fringe starter, um, which is a win. It's hard to find fringe starters in round four, but Jaden Reed has a chance. If Jaden Reed could play, I think that he can earn more targets than um, Romeo Dobbs. Yeah, and go back and watch our rookies videos. We did both a tier list and we did a sleepers video on rookies. Again, Watson, who we talked about, wide receiver 19 right now in underdog. Romeo Dobbs, wide receiver 61. And Jane Reed's all the way down the board at wide receiver 70 at this moment. My other note is just watching both. I've watched Reed recently. We have Dobbs and then we have Christian Watson. To me, there's room for Luke Musgrave to go in here and just start to eat. If Luke Musgrave is as good in small sample as what I saw, uh, based off his tape and where he got drafted at. This is the perfect offense where none of these guys are like eight to 10 target players. Somebody can make some noise as a rookie tight end. I, I continue to draft Luke Musgrave in the last round. You hit that bingo card of Luke Musgrave on every single show. Alec Pierce is next. Wide receiver 65 being drafted right now, 143 overall. 16 games of him also last year. That equaled 78 targets, 41 receptions, 593 yards, and two scores. Uh, a big change in quarterback and play caller going from last year, the 
Matt Ryan, Sam Ellinger, and Nick Foles experiment to now Anthony Richardson. So does that change your appreciation or your focus for Alec Pierce this offseason? Yeah, I think it's probably a better scheme fit. Uh, Anthony Richardson's going to probably have a lot of play action passes, a lot of downfield passes, and that's where Alec Pierce wins. I wrote that he has, quote, big boy routes, digs, outs, curls, goes and posts, and then catches press man coverage at a higher clip than other because he plays on the outside. Like He is like a throwback version of like what an outside receiver is based off of his size and his leaping ability. He's got decent straight line speed. The problem with Alec Pierce that I'd notice is just not a lot of bend. He's not like Drake London in any capacity. The in-breaking routes are going to be tough for him. He's not going to sink his hips. He's going to be somebody that can play the X wide receiver role, but he's going to be stuck to the sideline kind of like George Pickens has been as well. So, I, I think that I think that he's fine. I think he's he's no threat to Michael Pittman. I think Michael Pittman's way more fluid and is going to be more of a possession receiver. I think that Alec Pierce, if he's your number two receiver, I think you can live with it. I'm not expecting him to be like some groundbreaking player necessarily. I'm just going to leave with this question. If everything you just said is fair and you kind of stole the name out of my mouth, is it worthwhile that George Pickens is going as wide receiver 36 and Alec Pierce is going as wide receiver 65 when they basically play the identical position on an NFL field? Yeah, no, I, I think I think it's a fair comparison. I, I would even uh, everyone doesn't like Kenny Pickett. I'm not a massive Kenny Pickett fan either. I would just say most likely the Steelers are going to pass for a lot more yards than the Colts mm. this year. Mm. Um, so. So we'll, we'll see. I, I think that Pickens probably has a little bit more fluidity in general with his, his like athleticism. Uh, Alec Pierce is like definitely on a straight line. Maybe there's a chance that George Pickens can break out of that. But I do think it's a fair comparison between the two. Yeah, I mean, Alec Pierce, as you said, is your standard red line ball winner. You know, it's that red line. They draw three to five yards from the sideline that you run down. So you your quarterback can give you enough room to make the catch on the outside. And he just does that over and over and over again. And as you said, he almost turtled or shelled up when working over the middle of the field. I felt like he needs to have more reliable hands there when he works into the teeth of the defense. But man, I thought he improved his releases as the season went on a little bit. Outside move, shimmy then releases hips. You know, inside move, then boom, he sets it up to the outside, then long arm to eclipse the corner. Uh, but yeah, the double moves are not fluid. He's kind of all over the place a little bit. And then again, he opened, I believe, with two end zone touchdown drops against the Texans, and it kind of went along from there. Um, it's just such a different dynamic going from Matt Ryan, who underthrew a bunch of these deep targets, to now Anthony Richardson, where this is like where he's going to succeed. And it's always intriguing to me to look through how teams build certain positional groupings. And for the Colts, it's so clear that they want to have like a basketball lineup because Alec Pierce doesn't really overlap traits with Michael Pittman. And those two guys don't really overlap traits with Josh Downs. Mm -hmm. And so each guy, it's almost very clear with what they're going to be asked to do. And for us, at least that gives us some certainty of how we project them in a way. And better in best ball. You know, for Alec Pierce, that's just going to be who he's going to be, especially with Anthony, Anthony Richardson. Alec Pierce right now, again, 143 overall. That's around quarterbacks that like, no, thank you, unless I'm stacking them. Definitely not taking Kyler Murray, but like Derek Carr and Jordan Love. Wide receivers and Michael Gallup, Jalen Hyatt, DJ Chark, and then a running back in Roshan Johnson and a tight end in Greg Dulcich. Uh, I am saying this to add Alec Pierce a list of players I have drafted way too much of right now in the early parts of hot, hot best ball summer. Yep. 
and that's the part of the draft where the wide receiver prices have not increased at the same rates that the, the early round, like that six round wide receiver right now used to be a ninth round wide receiver. And Alec Pierce, the, the steam kind of cools off at that point in the draft. Last name, Tyquan Thornton. All the way down there at wide receiver 81, 185 overall. And I think the main reason we wanted to bring it up not was because of his production, just, you know, 13 games, 45 targets, 22 receptions, <laughs> 247 yards and two touchdowns. But man, the Patriots are going to crave someone with any type of juice. And he has some of it, some of it. Yeah, I think that he can fly. He was definitely there was a, a little bit of a period where it took us took some adjustment. He's going to eat up all the routes he had last year, plus all of Nelson Aguilar's routes. And there's a chance that he even eats into Devontae Parker's routes as well. What's interesting about Tyquan Thornton is like one, he's extremely petite. We knew that that's probably plays into why he missed some time early in the season, but they ask him to do a kind of a lot of weird things. Like they'll actually like bring him close to the uh, offensive line and ask him to block, which is super rare for somebody his size. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure if we necessarily got him at his strengths as a receiver. I would have liked to see a, a little bit more downfield opportunities for him you can scheme him up on occasion here but i think his his role is going to increase because last year as a rookie the august and september is so key for these rookies otherwise you can kind of get phased out of the offense and that's exactly what happened to him due to injury and like you said the there's wide receivers snaps here for the taking yeah and, and look he, everyone's going after ramondre at 28th overall which i totally get right. but they're going to throw the football mm -hmm. you know and so if we get juju at wide receiver 50 like, is Tyquan Thornton worth taking a shot on at the end of your drafts in round 16, 17, and 18? Because my answer is, on a bunch of builds, yes. Yeah, I've drafted some Devontae Parker. I've drafted some Hunter Henry. I've drafted some Tyquan Thornton at the very end of your, your, your drafts. One of those three guys that I just named is going to be ADP probably by a wide margin. All of these Patriots guys, it's a bet against Matt Patricia. Who doesn't want to do yeah. that? Yeah. As you said, he has a string bean frame, but he shows more strength than you'd expect from that. And... Because of that frame, though, there just aren't many players like him across the league, and we really haven't seen anyone with his frame that becomes like uh, every series route runner and two wide receiver set player. I'm hoping it's him, but when that statement happens, it can be tough to project something like that, you know? Um, but I'm excited to see him in preseason, early next season, during offseason stuff, because uh, there is legit juice there. And we can't say that about anyone else in this wide receiver room on the team. Yeah, that's that's unless they use the defensive back or returner. Yes. In the wide receiver room. That's for sure. Know? Yep. All right. So we didn't cover every single name. There's like Kyle Phillips of the Titans. There's Rashid Shahid of the Saints. There's Wondell Robinson, a lot of people's favorites as well in the New York Giants. Any one or two or three statements you want to make about those guys before we get out of here? Yeah, Rashid Shahid to me is better than some of the players we talked about today, period. Uh, small sample size, I've talked about it. Uh, 2.6 yards per route run, that's not going to hold up because uh, he caught eight of his 10 targets that were 15 yards downfield. He had a 91% catchable ball rate, which is absurd on all of his targets. That just doesn't happen. But when I watched Rashid Shahid, I thought I was expecting to see somebody that was just winning in a straight line downfield by himself and just like that was really fluffing up his numbers. The dude runs some legit routes and they schemed up some touches for him. And he was making some plays over uh, some defensive backs heads. I was not expecting all of that. So Rashid Shahid, I thought was going to be out because of small sample size noise. He did a lot more uh, hmm. 
bendiness in his game. He was running real routes, some outbreaking routes that I was not expecting somebody like Rashid Shahid to do. But I think that they have a number three wide receiver on their team. Potentially, that could be a legit number two uh, in a small uh, kind of low volume role. But I just thought he had more of the actual NFL route running skills than I was kind of expecting. He's going as wide receiver 71. That's just after Jaden Reed, just ahead of Van Jefferson and Marvin Mims. Yeah, I mean, interesting nugget came out today from Jawan Johnson, who was obviously a tight end, scored a bunch of touchdowns last year for the Saints, saying that he's been asked or requested to watch Julian Edelman tape. And it's like a 6'4", 230-pound pass catcher watching a 5'10", 195-pound guy. It's because of, quote-unquote, choice routes and short option routes. Um, that's just a difficult thing to do, I think for a bigger body, but I think it shows that maybe they're trying to search for that real third pass catcher that's going to operate in the slot. So like you signed Foster Moreau to be your Y, maybe your F is Jawan Johnson, but like, again, you couldn't get too different of a body type between Jawan Johnson and Rashid Shahid. So it's, it's interesting. And I don't know if either one is going to be a, you know, 50 plus 60 plus percent snap player. I real quick, two slot receivers, Wandell Robinson, Khalil Shakur. I watched both of them. Rondell Wandell Robinson is an underneath manufactured kind of like college slot receiver. Khalil Shakur didn't get that much playing time, but he made more plays downfield than I was expecting. I think a little bit stronger than Wandell Robinson. I have Khalil Shakur ranked straight up ahead of Wandell Robinson. Uh, I just think that he offers a little bit more upside. Wandell Robinson, I think, is going to be stuck in a role that just does not matter for half PPR. Yeah. And that role people fall in love with, but. It's just who he is, and I don't know if he can ever graduate from that. All right. Thanks for tuning in. We mentioned best ball a ton. Hopefully throughout, you have been interested, keen to play best ball for the first time. Now is the perfect time to do so. Click the link in the description below, and hey, now we'll match your first deposit up to $100. Go play on Underdog Fantasy on your phone or online. All right. We'll talk to you all next time. Up the villa. See ya.